20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another edition of a Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz and I will be your host for today. And to, on today's episode, we will be continuing our, I guess, coverage, breakdown, list, whatever you want to call it, our top 10 series of player positions that the Packers will be facing this year. On today's episode, we will be breaking down the top 10 running backs that the Packers will be going up against in the 2019 season. And back again with me today... Maggie and Paul, guys, how you doing? How's it going? It's been a it's been a couple of weeks, and I, I hope you guys are excited to to do this top ten list. I know it's something kind of new for us. We haven't really done top ten lists in the past. We've done lists, but not top ten. And you know, again, you know, just coming into the season now here looking at these lists so i first let me start with how you guys doing and you know hopefully you guys are excited for this absolutely i'm always excited to be here and it was above 80 degrees in green bay today so can't complain yeah always nice weather i I talked to my dad earlier today and he asked how the weather was and i said it wasn't below zero so that's (laughs) always good in my book maggie how are you today I'm good. This is my favorite way to spend a Tuesday night. So here we are, ready to go. Hopefully hopefully no sarcasm there. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, without further ado, let us get into the top 10 running backs uh, the Packers will be taking on in 2019. Starting off at number 10, and oh, by the way, we should I should put this out here. This is a collective agreement amongst the three of us there's not going to be three individual top 10 lists we talked about this we discussed this we put this together so this is a consensus amongst us of a top 10 list here so you won't have to sit through 30 different rankings (laughs) you're welcome so number 10 jordan howard philadelphia eagles formerly of the bears week four 720 thursday night football on fox Coming in at number 10, and Paul, I'll start with you. We put him at 10. Seems, you know, I, you know, and I, I, I guess I'll, I'll put this out here. When we go th- 10 through 6, I was kind of noticing this. Our, our rankings, they're all pretty young players. So Jordan Howard, number 10, is that is that appropriate for him? Do you like him at number 10? Yeah, I think it's a good spot for him. Um, and just before I dive into him, when I was doing the prep work and going through this list, the running backs that the Packers have to go up against this year, it's pretty stout group. I mean, 10 through one. And I know we had a couple honorable mentions that we talked about um, before we got on air, but it's going to be a tough group. But Jordan Howard, he had a down season with the Bears last year compared to his two previous years. But I think a lot of that was he just lost uh, snaps to Tariq Cohen just based on the production that he was showing. But with the in Philadelphia now with their offensive line, which is one of the better units in the league, I think he's going to be that bell cow for him. As they say, he's going to be that every down back for the most part. And against Green Bay last year in two games, 34 rushing attempts, 117 yards. So pretty good performance overall based on his uh, attempts that he received. And Maggie, you know, we talk about him. He's only in his – he'll be coming into his fourth year in the league. New team. Do you see him fitting well in Philadelphia? I, I mean, how does he – you know, Paul talked about how he lost snaps to Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen, they seem to have a nice one-two punch there. Uh, Howard being more kind of a bruiser back. Cohen being much more of a, uh, you know, speed back. But how does he, you know, Packer fans know him as a bear and what he did in Chicago. How do you see him fitting in with Philadelphia? I think that Paul might have access to my Google Drive. Um, <laughs> he might know that my password is like I heart Geronimo Ellison or something and he gets into it because it's not, not literal... Richard Rogers. I figured it was that. <laughs> Maybe it's like Rogers, Raji, Ellison and you have to figure out the combo. But uh, the very first bullet point I had under Jordan Howard was that he was in a down year yardage wise. It was his first of three seasons not eclipsing a thousand yards rushing. But he was still at 935. So, I mean, he's still 
a very productive back. He always seems to have the Packers number. You know, he always performs well against Green Bay. Um, but I do really like him in that Eagles offense. Um, they have kind of a backfield by committee, you know, and I think that Howard is going to bring a new dynamic to that backfield. Um, he's also great out, out of the backfield as a pass catcher. Um, in 2016, he had almost 300 yards receiving, so I could see him getting back to that uh, with Wentz in Philadelphia. I think that he's a nice complement to their existing players on offense. Yeah, and, you know, just looking at his stats here, you know, he was, you know, you guys talked about how he was down in his rushing yards, uh, but, you know, still being very effective uh, with nine touchdowns last, nine rushing touchdowns last year, uh, which matched his 2017 um, amount of touchdowns with nine, and, you know... I I didn't really pay much attention to Jordan Howard. Uh, we're get, this is going to be a common theme until we get to about five for me because many of the uh, ten through six are very young players. But you know when I watched him when I watched him last year, you know again it seemed like he was the type of running back that. You know, he could be a standalone back if need be, but the NFL also seems to be kind of going to running back by committee. It seems like many teams have that nowadays. So I I do want to get your guys' quick thoughts on him quickly here before we move on to number nine, because one of the things, the Bears trading him in the offseason was actually kind of surprised me. Were, Were you guys surprised that the Bears traded him away? I felt like, again, you know, he complimented Cohen well being kind of the bruiser back uh, and so I guess I don't know your guys's thoughts quick Paul were you surprised to see the Bears trade him yeah I was I thought it was a nice one-two punch just given the skill set I mean you mentioned Jordan being more of a you know in between the tackles guy Cohen they used and more in the passing game so I thought it was a good compliment I think they might add something to do I think I believe Jordan's in the last year of his rookie deal They probably knew that they weren't going to be able to keep him or weren't going to pay him what he was worth at the end of this season. So it may have just been, a you know, let's get something for him. But I was surprised because I do think it was a nice one-two combo. And Maggie, were you surprised to see them trade him? I was, but in the offseason, they did pick up Mike Davis, formerly with the Seahawks. Um, So between, you know, bringing him into Chicago and then also signing uh, David Montgomery, who I know is a big draft crush um, for a lot of Packer fans, I think that they probably just felt like they could get additional resources by trading Howard, Um, you know, maybe recoup a draft pick. I don't really remember what they got for Howard, Um, but I think that that backfield was getting kind of crowded and they felt like they could get more production out of some some newer faces. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, let's move on to number nine. Went from Chicago to Philadelphia with Jordan Howard. Now back to Chicago. Number nine, Tariq Cohen. Packers will be seeing him very early on in the season. Week one, we all know Thursday Night Football opening game of the season and the Packers will see him again in week 15 uh, when the Bears come to Lambeau and so looking at Tariq Cohen it'll be his third year in the league last year was feels kind of was like his I I don't I don't want to call it a breakout year because when you look at his at least his rushing stats there they weren't like I guess an over-improvement from his rookie year, but uh, started seven seven of the 16 games last year, you know, 444 yards, three touchdowns, very explosive player, very dynamic player. I know he's used a lot out of the backfield in the receiving game as well, but I guess when when looking at it from the Packers' perspective and the, and the, the defensive players they have, is Tariq Cohen uh, more of an issue that the Packers need to pay attention in the passing game or or the running game? And, and Maggie, I'll direct this one starting with you. I definitely think that he is a dual threat. But if you look at his numbers, like you said, um, rushing yards, he had 444 in 2018. But then he had 725 yards receiving and five touchdowns. So he has more touchdowns as a receiver than he does as a running back. And part of that could have been the way that he was utilized with Jordan Howard being that compliment on the field. Um, But I think he's dangerous pretty much anywhere. And I think that the Packers were smart um, to get some additional speed, you know, in guys like Zadarius and Preston Smith, um, assuming Oren Burks is your second inside linebacker. 
Um, you have to think that guys like Tariq Cohen play a role in that. Um, one of the knocks against Blake Martinez was that he, you know, is a great tackler, but he's not necessarily the quickest guy. And when you're playing the Bears and you're playing opponents like Tariq Cohen, you need some speed. So I definitely think that he's going to be a challenge for the Packers uh, from the backfield. And Paul, when we look at Tariq Cohen, and we, we just discussed Jordan Howard, who was there last year, obviously now in Philadelphia, do you expect to see Tariq Cohen getting the bulk of the workload, or is this still going to be running back by committee, kind of how they did with Jordan Howard last year, but just with a different piece? I think it's still going to be by committee. Just, I mean, just his frame. I mean, I don't have his measurables in front of me, but he's, you know, I don't think he's taller than what five eight, five nine, and just at that size, you can't take, you know, consistent hits every down like a Jordan Howard can or an Adrian Peterson can. You know, someone of that build. So I think he's going to be used more out of the backfield. And you know, I think a big reason he need to be on this list is because typically those type of running backs, the pass catchers out of the backfield, have hurt the Packers' defense in the past. As Maggie said, they've gotten a lot faster. Um, they've gotten younger, so we'll see how that goes this year. But last year against the Packers, he did all right. You know, eight receptions, 47 yards, 10 rushing attempts, 49 yards. So, you know, he did all right, got his yards. But for the most part, they've limited any sort of big play potential. All right. Well, Tariq Cohen coming in at number nine, number eight. Well, I guess we'll just stick in the division. Carry on Johnson, so of the of the Detroit Lions, week six at Lambeau, seven fifteen on ESPN, and then to close out the season, week seventeen at Detroit. Green Bay will be seeing him, uh, you know, like Tariq Cohen will be seeing him twice. This will be his second year in the league. Uh, last year he started seven games, played in ten, and uh, six hundred forty-one yards, three touchdowns, and you know. Again, this is a guy that I don't know a whole lot about, uh, being that you know he's just in his second year, but seems by the numbers very you know if, if decent running back, viable in the backfield. Uh, Paul, how do you see him fitting in the Detroit Lions offense? And when we when we talk about playing the Packers twice, and so Paul, you know. Yeah, we talk about him being just in his second year in the league, coming into his second year in the league. So what is something that stands out to you about Carrion Johnson that the Packer fans should know, considering that he's relatively new within the division in the league? Um, you know, he is young in his second year, as you said. I guess one thing to watch for is he was injured last year. As you mentioned, he only played in the 10 games. But when he was on the field, he was fairly dynamic. He had 5.4 yards per rushing attempt. 6.7 yards per catch. And this year, the Detroit Lions have brought in Daryl Bevel from the Seattle Seahawks to be their offensive coordinator. And as we all know, those Seattle offenses were very run heavy, um, very productive with their rushing game. So I'm expecting carry on. And as long as he stays healthy to see a big increase in attempts this year. All right. And Maggie, you know, we'll be doing this all three NFC North running backs make the list, so we'll be talking about this again. But when talking about uh, player positions, we talk about this a lot, that knowing your opponent is very important in the league. And so given that the the Lions will play the Packers twice like they do every year, how important, like what, what kind of a difference does it make for a player like Carrion Johnson who's young and do you, would you expect to see him almost play better the second, the second time around the last week of the season than you would the first time around just being him being a young player and not knowing the Packers as well as say some of these other players do? So one of the things that it, I think that Packer fans should keep in mind is that the Lions finally have a viable running back. So uh, last season, they had entered a 70-game drought before they actually had a running back rush for over 100 yards. And Kerryon Johnson was the player to do that against the Patriots. So for 70 games, they had never had a running back rush for over 100 yards. Um, now they have Kerryon Johnson, who's incredibly talented. Um, he did end the season on injured reserve. Um, so the Packers didn't see him in their second game uh, last season. But when they did see him the first time, he played pretty well. They kind of had that backfield by committee um, with the running backs they had there. But he, I think, yeah, he's 
he's a young player on the rise. I think that he works well in the Lions offense. And honestly, I'm just really excited to see some creative fantasy football names with Kerryon Johnson in the title. <laughs> That's a great point that Maggie brought up about the Lions not really having a running game because they've been so one-dimensional for the years. You think back and when you play the Lions, you just expect Matt Stafford to throw the ball 45 times. So having this new element and if he can be productive as he showed that he can be in, during his rookie season, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup. We, well, uh, hopefully not too tough for the Packers, but so two quick things before we move on. So for those of you not great at math skills, I'm one of them not great at math skills. 70, 70 straight games, did you say, Maggie? That's uh, about four and a half seasons worth of, of going without a 100-yard rusher. So um, uh, mind-boggling stat there. The other thing that, Maggie, I wanted to ask you quick, you're excited for crazy team names. Do you have some in mind? For Carrion Johnson or, like, fantasy names in general? For Carrion Johnson. Um, I, I saw Carrion, my wayward son, last year, so that seems repetitive. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that, given some time, I could think of some pretty good ones. Okay. I typically name my team after some players. So, see, I was, I've, I've never been into. I guess I've never. Anyway, moving on. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, Carrion Johnson coming in at number eight. There, uh, number seven. Philip Lindsley, Packers will be seeing him week three at home uh, when the Broncos come to Lambeau Field. Uh, yet again, another player just like Carrion Johnson coming into his second season. Last year started eight games, was a thousand yard back, had nine touchdowns, and averaged about five and a half yards an attempt. Um, so. Again, th- and this is even more so a kind of um, I don't want to cl- I don't want to say odd player for Green Bay, but being that he's only in his second year in the league, and given that he plays for an AFC team, they see him once every four years, assuming he stays stays put. So, what should Packer fans know about? Philip Lindsley and and what he brings to this Broncos offense, which has undergone a lot of changes, haven't really been able to replace Peyton Manning since he's retired. Uh, Joe Flacco's the quarterback now. So, Maggie, starting with you, what what should Packer fans really know about Philip Lindsley and what he brings to the running game in Denver? I personally love Philip Lindsay, and I had a hard time ranking him on this list. Part of me thought that he could have been higher. Um, and I think maybe after his second season, we will be considering him a little bit higher on lists like this. Um, but since he did only have that one standout season, I think that's something you have to consider. Um, but he had almost 1,300 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns in 2018. Um, he's a weapon in the return game. He's a weapon out of the backfield, pass, uh, catching passes. He's a dynamic runner. I, like the Broncos, you know, he's an undrafted guy, which makes his story even more exciting. The fact that the Broncos waited, uh, didn't even draft him, just brought him in, and he has impressed like this. Um, I think he's going to be really fun to watch in 2019. We're on a fantasy kick right now. I think, you know, he might be one of my draft targets, but he's definitely a name for Packer fans to keep an eye on. And so, Paul, looking at him right now, he's kind of a little bit like Tariq Cohen in the sense he's only 5'8", 190 pounds. So it doesn't feel like he's going to be a running back to, to you know, run anybody over. But, you know, I guess when you're talking about a player that small, you know, does that give him an advantage in some sense? And clearly it would give him a disadvantage in others. But, I mean defensively how do you how do you how do you game plan against a guy that's 5'8 and 190 pounds well I think you just got to be ready and you got to have an athletic defense on the field which the Packers have put out there now I mean he's going to be he's a dynamic player as Maggie mentioned he had 1300 yards from scrimmage and he did that on just over 15 touches per game so if we extrapolate that out to like the same amount of touches that like a Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott had per game he would have had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage last year. So, I mean, he's just a dynamic player. There's only so much you can do. He's going to be that running back that 
you know, he's going to have that big play. He's going to get in the end zone. You just hope to limit it enough that you can get the win. Absolutely. And, well, just looking at a fun fact here, uh, he was born in Denver, Colorado, and played at the University of Colorado, and then somehow ended up playing for the Denver Broncos in Denver, Colorado. So, Fun fact that nobody cares about. So moving on, number six. So Philip Lindsley coming in at number seven. Again, week three when the Broncos come to Lambeau. Moving on to number six, our third and final NFC North running back, Dalvin Cook. So Packers will see him week two when the Vikings come to Lambeau. And then they'll see him again in week 16 when the Packers go to Minnesota. Uh, That game is on ESPN. It's Monday Night Football. So... Dalvin Cook, yet again, here we go with another player who is still pretty new to the league. This will be his third season, and, you know, he's dealt with injuries. He tore his ACL his rookie year in 2017 and only only played in 11 games last year. Uh, he's one of those players that, in my mind, that when he came out in the draft, um you know, I, I I grew up in Minnesota. I have a lot of friends that are Viking fans. A lot of people love him in Minnesota. He's supposed to be this dynamic, explosive running back, which, you know, he's shown that he has the capability of doing. I guess the question is, though, you know, can he stay healthy? So I guess starting with that injury idea, uh he comes in week two. I'm sure he'll probably be healthy uh, for that game. But Paul, do you think that there's? I mean, I I hate to pro, you know project injuries, but I mean, does he does he strike you right now as the type of player that would be healthy come week 16 when the Packers play him again? Is is that something that that that, that I guess Viking fans in a sense should be concerned about that he he's had so many injuries. Yeah, I mean, he played in four games his first year in 2017, 11 last year. So I, I guess he has that going against him. Um, you know, I'm always going to assume they're healthy when making predictions. And when he's been on the field, he's been tough to stop, especially in the as a passer against the Packers. I mean, last year he had six receptions for almost 199 yards against the Packers specifically. And then Mike Zimmer kept saying last year they wanted to run the ball more. They brought in Gary Kubiak. Um, who was last with Denver, I believe. They really ran the ball. I don't – he's not the offensive coordinator. He might be offensive assistant or whatever it may be. But I think he's going to help facilitate running the ball more, and I think that Cook's going to see the ball in his hands. And if he stays healthy, I expect him to be a tough player to stop. And, Maggie, so when we put this list together, he's our top-ranked NFC North running back. What puts him ahead of Carryon Johnson and Tyreek Cohen? Is it simply, I mean, you know, it's not like he's got more experience in the league necessarily. What is it about Dalvin Cook that places him higher than Carryon Johnson and Tariq Cohen? I think part of it is um, the expectations that were placed on Dalvin Cook coming into the league. I mean, he was a second round draft pick that the Vikings um, felt really high on, high enough to draft a running back in the second round. Um, and what's interesting about that now is he's gotten a lot of comps to Aaron Jones, who the Packers obviously took in the fifth round of that same draft. Um, so when you think about that dynamic, Cook, when healthy, is a really explosive talent. Um, he does great things for that Vikings offense. He makes that offense more dynamic. And when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, you need you know, all the help you can get um, in the run game. I wonder if I, Viking fans probably won't hear that, but it's fine. I like to dig at them when we can. Um, but I think that, you know, Carrion Johnson will maybe be in that conversation um, in after he has another season under his belt. But Delvin Cook has had such high expectations placed on him that I think this, if he stays health, healthy, will be the season that he finally gets to put together the performance that has been expected of him all along. All right. Well, Number six, pretty straightforward. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. And so moving on to number five here, really kind of getting into the, I guess, meat and potatoes of the list here because these are now going to be guys that are very high end. And coming in at number five, 
somebody that Packer fans know all too well, uh, Adrian Peterson. They'll be seeing Adrian Peterson week 14 when the Redskins come to Lambeau. And here's a guy that needs no introduction to Packer fans. We don't need to discuss him at all. Played so many years in Minnesota. And what's really interesting is... You look over the last couple of years, 2015 was the last time that he really played. Like, uh, 2015, when you go back and look at him, was like, you're like, okay, great. And then 2016 came along, and you kind of thought it was over. And he had a down year in 2016. Then 2017 was when he was, you know, all over the place with a couple of different teams. And then last year, really. Re, kind of revitalized his career. He's going to be 34 this year. And so I guess what we're kind of now talking about is I mentioned he had those down years. Last year really picked up for him. And we all know the talent that he has, but you're talking about a 34-year-old running back now. And what does he have left? And the other thing that I guess you're kind of looking at is he's – they don't play the. They don't play Adrian Peterson until Week 14. So now you're talking about a 34 year old running back who, you know, after 13 weeks, you know, wh- where is he going to be standing? Um, clearly, we know that he can. The type of player that he is that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But when we get to Week 14, Maggie, like, I guess, do you expect him to be? Like, like, I guess, where do you expect him to be week 14 as a 34-year-old running back? I think that part of the reason that he experienced such a breakout last year was because uh, Darius Geis got injured. So the Redskins picked him up ex- uh, or drafted him, expecting him to be their guy, um, their starting running back. He was you know, going to be comparable to Saquon in that division as far as a young, talented offensive weapon. And then he got injured, so he didn't play all last season. So Adrian Peterson kind of filled the void that Geis was expected to fill. Um, so I think in week 14, Peterson will be a complimentary back and I'm sure he'll get utilized given his familiarity with the Packers. Um, but I think Geis is going to move into that starting role. But you know, the reason he didn't make the list is because we have nothing to compare him to at this point. So to me, he's an honorable mention. Um, Peterson makes the list given his pedigree. Um, Like you said, it was his best performance in 2018 since 2015. Um, So he is coming back. He's always had the Packers number, Um, but I don't expect him to be the starting running back unless something happens to Geis again this year. And, and Paul, I mean, kind of the same, kind of the same area. What, what do you expect week 14? Do you you think he holds up that far into the season? 34 year old running back. what, What do you expect when, when he comes to Lambeau and, Mind you, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know this off the top of your head, but they played him last year. That was in Washington. When was the last time Adrian Peterson was at Lambeau? Do, is that going to be extra motivation for him when, when he comes? I don't I don't know if he holds any type of grudge against the Packers being a former division rival at all. But, I mean, where do you see him at week 14, Paul? Um, You know, I still have nightmares about Adrian Peterson running against his defense, the Packers' defense. And as Maggie mentioned, with Darius Geis back, I think he's going to be fine. He's not going to have to be the workhorse that he was last year. I think he's going to come in more fresh. He'll have less attempts um, throughout the season. But, I mean, even last year with the Redskins, 19 attempts, 120 yards against the Packers. Just rips his defense apart. And with all the changes that have been made, I'm hoping that's different. But not many train harder than Adrian Peterson. He's not going to have to do the full workload, and he just always seems to run well against the Packers. So that's why that's why I think he's deserving of the five spot. Yeah, and I mean, certainly given his uh, past performances against the Packers, and I'm sure Paul, you're not the only one still having nightmares about Adrian Peterson running through through what seems like every defense. I guess the only thing we can hope is that the fumbles come back this year in week 14. So, um, But number five, Adrian Peterson. Again, that'll be week 14 when Washington comes to Lambeau. Moving on to number four, 
Melvin Gordon. Uh, so if you're a Packer fan, maybe you're a Badger fan. Maybe you know Melvin Gordon pretty well from his time at Wisconsin. Comes in at number four. That'll be week nine when the Packers go to San Diego. Can we go with them? I'm sure it'll be kind of cold by then, and I'm sure San Diego will feel much nicer than wherever you are in Wisconsin. Um, but this is, a again, he's one of the league's top running backs. Um, last year... Only 12 games, some injuries, uh, you know, only rushed for a 1,000 yards once in his career so far. So when you look at some of his stats, you know, some of it's due to he's only started 16 games once in his entire career. Um, But I guess what is it about Melvin Gordon when you start looking at some of these things, you know, it doesn't scream top for running back when you look at yardage um you know i obviously amount of touchdowns he's got 28 touchdowns in three seasons play he's coming into his fifth year didn't score any his rookie season um but you know paul what makes him a top four running back given that he's only rushed for a thousand yards once in his career and only started 16 games once um for me it's that just that he's the big part of that Chargers offense. You think of Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon. He's going to get plenty of attempts, and yeah, he only rushed for 1,000 yards once. Injury bug has been an issue for him, but last year, if he would have played all 16 games, he would have been on pace for 1,000 yards again, and he just has a nose for the end zone. Um, You mentioned the 28 rushing touchdowns. He also has 10 receiving over three years, so 38 touchdowns over three years. Last year, had 4.7 yards in attempt, 9.7 yards per catch. Um, when he's on the field and he has the ball in his hands, he knows how to find the end zone and he knows how to put up uh, put up the yards. And so, Maggie, again, you know, I guess is there too much hang-up on being a 1,000-yard back as far as being a good back? I, I mean, in today's NFL, it's more of a passing league. And, you know, so is there too much hang-up on, on a running back being expected to get 1,000 yards in order to be considered, I guess, elite? I mean, I think uh, the thing that makes Melvin Gordon the most special is that he's from my hometown. Um, but secondly, I do like uh, the dynamic that he has as a player that can catch uh, passes out of the backfield. I do think that, you know, the 1,000-yard mark is really – a measurable statistic that people go with when they're trying to assess whether or not a running back is quality. Um, But Melvin Gordon had almost 500 yards and four touchdowns last season in 12 games. He didn't get to play the full season due to injuries. He had almost 1400 all purpose yards and 14 touchdowns. Um, So despite not being able to finish out the season, he is very productive any single time that he steps on the field. And I think that that's really all you can look for, especially in a modern style offense. Um, Players are having to play multiple roles, you know, when they're on the field. So whether he's catching passes um, or breaking tackles, because he's still a bruising back, I'd still hand him the ball at the one yard line and expect him to score. So I think that's what makes him so dangerous. The Packers are also going to be coming off a Sunday night game against Kansas city when they head to Los Angeles to play the chargers. So I think there may be some wear and tear there as well. All right. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the useless facts person here, so in case you didn't know, fun fact, fun useless fact, Melvin Gordon didn't score a single touchdown his rookie year. Uh, his mom told him he wouldn't wear his jersey, his NFL jersey, until he scored an NFL touchdown. So went all of 2015, his rookie year, without wearing his jersey. Now that, I don't know if that's commitment or however you want to look at that as parenting, um, but, you know, again, that fun, interesting fact that nobody asked for. So... Number four, Melvin Gordon, again, week nine at the Los Angeles Chargers. I am i don't know about you two. I'm still struggling to call them the L.A. Chargers. They are the San Diego Chargers to me. I'm pretty sure that when I started that, too, I said we could go to San Diego, which is an issue. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Moving we on to go to San Diego. <laughs> just the, Yeah, the game just won't be in San Diego. <laughs> so, all right, moving on to number three, uh, Christian McCaffrey, week 10. Panthers coming to Lambeau at noon. Christian McCaffrey, here's another guy that, again, you know, really Green Bay is going up against a lot of up-and-coming running backs. I know when he came out in 2017, I I wanted the Packers to draft him because it's like he seems like he'd be the perfect fit because he – 
at Stanford was just like almost like I, I, I this is going to be an awful comparison. So forgive me because I'm not saying they're the same person, but like I got the sense when I watched McCaffrey at Stanford, he felt kind of Reggie Bushish from USC in his explosiveness in college. He was a great pass catcher out of the backfield, and I felt like he would have fit perfectly with the Packers offensive style just being a good running back and then somebody that can receive out of the backfield so I get the sense when we talk about Christian McCaffrey not knocking his run game ability at all but I'm assuming we can probably all agree that he's probably going to be more of a concern as a pass catcher out of the backfield than as an actual between the tackles handing the ball off so Paul looking at Christian McCaffrey Number three seems appropriate, right? Absolutely. I mean, we talked about um, Dalvin Cook, Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen being able to be both pass catchers and out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey is both of those and does it all spectacularly. Um, last year, he had 1,098 yards on the ground, 874 receiving. Um, he was only 100, once again, going back to math, about 130-ish Yards short of having 2,000 total yards. Only two players in NFL history have ever done that from scrimmage. Marshall Falk and Roger Craig. Um, and like I said before, this type of back in the past has really given the Packers defense issues. Now this is a very, very new defense, a lot younger and faster. So that remains to be seen. But he's just one of those guys. He's going to he's gonna get his own. He's going to score. He's going to put up yards. And last year he played 91% of the Panther snaps, so he's on the field just about every play. And, you know, Maggie, looking at him, I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot to say. He's pretty established as probably one of the most versatile, if not the most versatile back in the league. Um, and from the pictures I've seen, he seemed to have bulked up a lot over this past offseason season. Um, how do you see him as far as the running game goes? Strictly running game, you know, is he is he big enough now to go between the tackles, or is he still more just kind of get him in space and let him let him play that way? I think that his biceps are bigger than my entire torso. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've I, I'm very confident that he could uh, be successful in the run game. He had seven touchdowns last season, uh, six in the passing game. So, you know, he does have really impressive passing yards, but he still has better stats as a running back. So as impressive as he is catching the ball, he's even more impressive running the ball. And I think that with uh, Cam Newton's play action ability and the way that Cam Newton can scramble, when you pair a Christian McCaffrey with Cam Newton as someone who can also scramble get open um, at any point from anywhere on the field, he becomes especially dangerous. I mean, he was averaging... Um, I think it was 122 all-purpose yards per game. So he's always someone that you have to account for because he's almost always on the field. And when he is on the field, he's he's deadly. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I think you make a good point there in the sense that I feel like the, the common perception of McCaffrey is that he is a receiving back. And the reality is he can – do the whole running back thing just as well as he can do the, the pass catching thing. So um, number three, Christian McCaffrey, that's week 10 moving on to number two. We're getting there guys. Just, just a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit longer. We're almost there. Uh, number two. Um, I don't know how to put it other than top five draft pick Saquon Barkley week 13 Packers going to New York to play the giants standout stud player from last year. Um, I mean, I I don't know what to say about the guy other than he's a freak of nature athlete. And I mean, I, I guess I feel like after his rookie season, not a whole lot needs to be said other than, you know, just don't let him go crazy on your team. Like, I feel like we're, we're really getting to the point now, Saquon Barkley, like, you get to week 13, you just know that he's going to get his yards. You know he's going to get his touches. Just, you know, try to keep it to as little as possible. But, you know, we always, you, you hear about the sophomore slump. It is, And I 
I guess I don't foresee Saquon having a sophomore slump, but Maggie, is sophomore slump something that Saquon could experience this coming year, or is this just, no, pretty straightforward, he's probably going to run for 100 yards and just hope that he doesn't kill you on the field? Uh, The sophomore slump only exists if you aren't the offensive rookie of the year. So Saquon Barkley is in great shape uh, heading into this season. 11 touchdowns his rookie year, uh, 1,300 rushing yards um, for receiving touchdowns, so 15 total touchdowns, um, over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Um, He immediately becomes even a bigger weapon now, probably the biggest weapon on the team with the departure of Odell Beckham Jr. Um, So whether that hinders him because he's now taking on um, a larger role and people are expecting him more in the offense, I'm not quite sure. Um, When Eli Manning is your quarterback and he is aging, uh, this is turning into a run heavy offense. So he's still going to get touches. And like you said, you know, he's got about 126 uh, all purpose yards per game. So he's going to get the ball and he's going to make plays. So it's just going to be containing the big play because his plays are going to be there regardless of how you game plan against him. And Paul, you know, Maggie mentioned it there. He, it feels like he kind of is that Giants offense now with, you know, you're going to get, when you're the Packers playing the Giants this year, you're going to get one of two things. You're either going to play a rookie quarterback or you're going to be playing Eli Manning and Eli Manning has not been great. And now that Odell is gone, I mean, is he kind of the only thing to worry about when playing that Giants offense? You know, I mean, can you kind of put nine guys in the box and just and just hope for the best? Or what's the best way of, I guess, I don't want to say shutting him down because I, I feel like he's a player that you don't really do that. We've kind of established he's going to get his stuff. But how do you limit what he does, especially given that offense? Yeah, I think you said it best. You just put as many guys in the box as you can and just hope to stop them because, you know, Odell's gone. Eli's aging and just isn't the same as he was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, But even so last year, I assume, you know, Odell was injured then. Saquon touched the ball rushing 261 times. He had 121 targets, just an absolute workhorse. And it makes sense because with Odell gone, they didn't have, you know, really anyone else to target. But also it makes the stats that he put up last year all the more impressive because they didn't have anyone else to target. So defenses knew that. So I don't know. Maybe there's a magic elixir out there on how to stop him or slow him down, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, well, you know, I, again, I think it's I think it's kind of, you know, this is actually almost kind of reminded me a little bit of Adrian Peterson with the Vikings. Not a whole lot around him, but he is just so talented that – you know, again, he's going to get his stuff. You just got to make sure that you don't let him absolutely ream you on the field. So number two, Saquon Barkley, that's week 13. So maybe you'll have a little extra, you know, you know, wear and tear on him. Come that, come that time, maybe who knows, but all right. And number one, not much of a surprise, Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys. That's week five, three thirty. On Fox, everyone's shocked that Dallas and Green Bay is playing an afternoon game. So, again, here we go. Ezekiel Elliott, say what you want about him off the field. That's not what we're talking about. On the field, the guy is an absolute monster. Green Bay knows that firsthand. They've played him plenty of times at this point to know just how good he is. He's coming to do his fourth year in the league, and, I mean – we've got him number one on our list of running backs. The Packers will be playing, but I mean, you could put him at number one in the league. Couldn't you? I mean, at least make an argument. I I mean, I'm drawing a blank of somebody that could, you know, be for sure crowned over him, you know, maybe Todd Gurley. I don't know, but Paul, I mean, again, I feel feel like we're kind of in the same spot with Elliott that we are with Saquon. You know what he is. You know what you're getting. Just don't let him run all over you. Yeah, exactly. For me, when we were having the discussion about, you know, our top ten list here, for me what put Zeke above Saquon was what he has around him. As we talked about, Saquon is that Giants offense, and so the Packers know what to game plan for. 
the Cowboys have one of the best offensive units or offensive line units in the league. Um, and with Amari Cooper coming in last year, Jason Witten will be back. I think the passing game is going to be much better overall than it has been in recent years, and that's going to pay dividends for Zeke. Um, he had 4.6 yards per rush, 7.4 yards per catch. He really does it all for that offense. And this was two years ago. The Packers' defense is way different, but against Green Bay in 2017, he had 116 yards on the ground, and I know he does that most weeks. But I think he's just going to be a tough, tough matchup with that uh, Cowboys offense overall. And, and Maggie, I'm, I'm just looking at his stats here. 1,600 yards, not 983 yards, 1,400 yards. His second year when he didn't rush for 1,000 yards because he missed six games. 28 touchdowns over three seasons. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He, he, again, I, 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 don't know what, I don't know what else to say other than he's the obvious number one. And, you know, again just don't don't let them don't let them run all over you but i mean and and i mean even even last year he had 95 targets 77 catches he's he, he can do it out of the backfield as well i mean it's i i i don't know i don't know what else to say maggie i i i, I just want your thoughts here quick on him because it's it seems pretty straightforward as far as him being the number one running back they'll play this year it just honestly makes me nauseous to talk about the Cowboys, so I try not to do it. You know, every time I have to compliment them, I feel sick. Um, but Ezekiel Elliott is a monster, and I hate playing him. I hate when the Packers go to Dallas. They, you know, lately it's been pretty good. We've had we've had a good run in Jerry World, but Ezekiel Elliott is always like the number one thing that you have to look out for when you go to Dallas. I mean, he had like 2000 all purpose yards in 2018 playing in only 15 games. He didn't even finish all 16 and he hit 2000, 15 touchdowns in his rookie season. So he's a monster. We know he's a monster and I don't want to say anything else nice about the Dallas Cowboys. And we won't make you do that because <laughs> nobody, everybody's in agreement there. Nobody wants to say anything nice about the Cowboys. So, well, there you have it. The top 10 running backs Green Bay will be playing this year. So, all right, I, I just want to ask a quick opinion here, quick, before we wrap up, because we went way over on time, but that's okay. Um, we'll do, we'll do five, one through five here quickly. Elliot, Barkley, McCaffrey, Melvin Gordon, Adrian Peterson. Does Green Bay hold any of them under 100 yards rushing in a game this year? I'll say Adrian Peterson because I don't think that he's going to be playing. Okay, and and <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a I'll count that as a win for not giving up a hundred yards to AP. Um, Paul, do you see Green Bay holding any of those guys under a hundred yards when they play them? Um, I do, and mainly for from Green Bay's perspective of just the new defensive front that they have: the Smiths, Rashawn Gary, then you got Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Lancaster, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki. Um, and an improved secondary. I just think that overall this defense is better, and I'm going to go the Nick route and not pick anyone in particular, <laughs> but they will hold one of them under 100. And, you know, Paul, it's so funny that you mentioned that you're not going to really pick like a single one. Well, it's so funny that you're not going to pick a single one because this time I actually have an actual pick of somebody <laughs> like and not taking the middle road. I would say of those guys, the most – likely one that they keep under 100 I feel would be Saquon Barkley and it's completely due to the fact that outside of him there's not a whole lot there and if you can really just if they can really just dial in on Saquon you could probably walk out of New York with a pretty easy win now that I say that they'll get you know absolutely destroyed but (laughs) that's that's neither here nor there and you know if they get destroyed in week 13 you can all blame me for that one so um well we are like I said we're way over on time guys so let's wrap up here real quick Maggie people want to follow your work how can they do that they can follow me on Twitter at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. I write for Cheesehead TV. And, of course, you can find me podcasting uh, here. And, Paul, how can people follow your work? 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. And you can find my work at Dairyland Express, where we cover the Packers, Brewers, Bucks, and Badgers. Awesome. And as always, you guys can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. And again, like Jacob says, I don't really tweet that much, so it's not really worth the follow. Unless you're a Lions fan out there tweeting that the Lions are going to go 14-2 and this year, then, yeah, I'm going to retweet that and say that you're dumb. So, anyway, <laughs> with that said... Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be continuing our top 10 series uh, of positions that the Packers will be playing this year. Let us know what you guys think of it. Hopefully they're not too long. Hopefully they're enjoyable, good content. And uh, so, as always, thank you so much for the support. You guys can do that online now. Uh, go to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I know there's a link there. I don't know the exact website, but if you guys want to do that, you're more than welcome to. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us over the last year of doing this. We're so excited to continue it. We're so excited for the season to start. We're just a month away from training camp, guys. It's almost here. We're, we're, we're so close, so excited for it. So thanks again for listening, everyone, and as always, Go Pack Go!